Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us, Sean. How you feeling? Feeling good and ready to get into another book review. It's been a little bit since we've done one. Yeah, we haven't. We don't read anymore. It's all... <laughs> Just been movie watching and movie uh, watching. yeah. Try, what you trying to read? Trying to get some knowledge? All right, uh, yeah. So on today's episode, we're uh, going to discuss the book "Beating Odds." You know, Eddie Brown's investing in life strategies, right? Um, so we're going to get into that. You know, as usual, share our thoughts uh, on the book, the content. You know, and you know how we can apply it to our own regular uh, business endeavors and uh, you know aspirations, right? All right. right. So let, let's just we're going to get into who Eddie Brown is. We're going to get into the book. Uh, we're going to get into some of the nuggets and lessons. But I think first off the gate, Sean, did you like it or no? So um, it was OK. Um, I, I did not dislike it. Okay. Um, it, it was <laughs> very similar in tone to uh, one of the book reviews we did a couple weeks back, a couple episodes back. Uh, Why should white guys have all the fun? Uh-huh. Felt like um, it had. It was very similar in tone to me. And then when I went and looked, I think it was like the same publisher or editor or something. So I was like, oh, no wonder it felt that way. To me. <laughs> um, and that one I didn't really care for as much. I like this one a lot better. Um, oh, okay. Because I think I went into it. Um, it, it the title let, kind of lets you know that it was a mix of like. Um, biographical information and um business philosophy so i think i kind of knew what to expect a little better with got this. it got it okay so you yeah, know that's a good point it's definitely well i don't think i realized it was the same publisher so i didn't realize it was uh why should why guys have all the fun in this book was written by this not written published by the same company so they might be looking for a certain type of author when it comes to these type of books but you know right um but yeah I enjoyed the book. I liked it. Uh, it definitely was in that same vein. I will say this one felt like an easier read to me uh, than why should white guys have all the fun. Um, but I completely I, agree. Yeah, it, it flowed a lot um, seamlessly between lesson and story. I felt like a lot more seamlessly than uh, why, should white, why, should, why should white guys have all the fun. Mm-hmm, for sure. And uh, I this is my this is my second or third time reading the book uh before i read it was the first time i read it was in print format second time uh or the third time was in audio book format and i will say my experience uh each time i read it also gave me a different perspective on my review of the book which i'll get into in a bit you know now um, did the audio book have his voice or was it like a narrator some I, it was a narrator i'm pretty sure it was a narrator because I was looking in the credits to see, um, and I didn't, ha- usually they're listed as, you know, if they're doing the voice or there's an announcement in the beginning. I didn't, I didn't hear that this time around. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just a personal preference. I love it when it's like the author's own voice, but, right. you know, I get how that's not feasible all the time. So. Right. And I will say I'm, I'm now, especially with AI, I, I think now um, they can get the, likeness of the author like in their voice and have the computer do the uh na- uh the narration i'm not that's not the case here but i can definitely see that happen with a lot of audiobooks moving forward that sounds like a, a future episode yeah, yeah, for sure for sure all right so i guess first let's just get into uh eddie brown and who he is you know we haven't really uh 
even talk talk about him and the author of this book, right? Um, yeah. Um, so he's um, he's the head of a cap- of a capital management firm. Mm-hmm. He's um, a black man born in Baltimore. Um, he grew up, you know, during the Jim Crow era um, in a lot of pro- poverty, right? Mm-hmm. Poverty, like Jim Crow po- type poverty, right? Uh, born to a thirteen year old unwed mother. He was actually born in Florida, um, but later on, you know, his base was in Baltimore. Uh, he was most he was raised. Because his mother was uh, so young and had him, he was raised mostly by his grandparents, uh, and he was influenced by his uh, mother's older brother, who was with the grandparents, right? So his um, uncle was, you know, outside in the streets, a moonshiner, running multiple businesses, so to speak, uh, during that time, uh, moonshining, other endeavors and activities, and Eddie Brown was along, was uh, taken along for the ride during that time, driving cars, at like six years old, seven years old, you know, running moonshine with his uncle uh, and, and getting his uh, entrepreneurial spirit uh, sparked up at a young, early age, right? Um, yeah, not driving just regular cars, too. These were like souped up cars that were like <laughs> built to evade the police and stuff. And yeah. he's driving them at light as a teenager. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, early on, he speaks to like his deep love for his grandparents and his uncle and just all of those elements and environments that contribute to who he is today. Um, and then I think his life took a considerable major shift was when his uh, grandmother passed away during a road trip. Uh, so he was on a road trip with his uncle and his grandmother and uh, his grandmother passed away uh, from a heart attack, uh, you know, on that road trip. And, you know, they had to come back home. And then obviously life wasn't really the same for him after that. Uh, from there, he moved back with his mother, uh, and they moved to Pennsylvania, I believe. Um, and yeah, Allentown. I think yeah, the, Allentown. they said it's the third largest city in Pennsylvania. I'm yeah. assuming Pittsburgh and Philly are the other two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when he moved back to Pennsylvania uh, with the family, uh, he was with his mother again. And, you know, he kind of he described, like, that time it was kind of, I don't want to, maybe weird or just not what he was used to, you know, since he was raised by his grandparents. But he definitely was... Um, he gave props to his mother for essentially being so involved in his education and making sure that, you know, he got a sound education and make sure that he wouldn't be taking certain classes that she didn't feel was appropriate for him and so forth, you know? Um, yeah. Um, it's funny because he talks about how education was a big part of um, his upbringing, mm-hmm. um, but also that entrepreneurial side of it from his uncle. So he was really... Um, he says it himself in the book, you know, he was he would go, you know, he'd go get straight A's, mm-hmm. and then after school, he's running from the cops doing moonshining <laughs> um, activities. You know what I mean? So you know, balance basically, <laughs> right? A right. little bit of balance. We, we, we all need. I mean, it is true. And then I think you know, going back to what you're saying about his grandmother, um, when she died, it kind of threw off the balance a little bit at yeah. first, mm-hmm. the way he talked about it. Yeah, yeah, she was, you know, and rightfully so, right? That's like the pillar. Of, and foundation of the family structure and dynamic. So when that gets removed, obviously a vacuum, you know, gets created and things got to, what what takes that place, right? Um, so yeah, uh, so during his academics, he graduated high school at 16 and found his way to uh, essentially Howard University. Um, and that was the 
only college he had heard of. So that's why he only applied there. <laughs> he didn't have, he didn't, you know, nowadays you hear stories about how people apply to hundreds of colleges and get accepted to all. And you, you see them stories, right, Sean? Right? Sure, yeah. I got accepted to all 50 <laughs> I applied to. It, I mean, I'm dating myself probably, but in my day it was you had your zone, your safety, and your target. Your yeah, screen. yeah, so. exactly. And uh, so that was that was actually, I think I applied to like four colleges. I had the one I wanted to, uh, I had the backup one, and, you know, not to sidetrack on the story, I was accepted to college, to my college before I applied uh, in high school at the time. So I think even though I was accepted, until I saw the paperwork, I still was like, I don't trust it. So I still started applying to other stuff. Just um, But nowadays they have those, you know, people got a laundry list of colleges they applied to. So um, yeah, Eddie Brown only applied to one because that was all he heard of. And uh, it was Howard. That wasn't a bad, if he was only going to hear of one college, Howard wasn't the worst one to hear of, to apply to, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he lucked out as well. Um, he also got lucky. He had his tuition, room, and board were paid for by a mysterious donor, right? So he also lucked out there. Um, he didn't apply for scholarships, but um, through the luck of his network and connections, he uh, knew someone in the neighborhood who told them that there was a white lady who would like to help black students go to college uh, and basically through word of mouth, you know, um, and he didn't know if it was a real offer or not, if it was really going to happen, but it came through and he never got to meet the person who would write the check. So essentially, he just had a lady who would write checks for his room and board every semester and it would be paid and he had no connection no insight didn't know who it was and uh never found out who it was you know um he said he never looked her up uh initially and by the time he did look her up or had the sense to look her up you know he wasn't able to find her so he was able to get full college tuition paid for uh by this mysterious donor Right. I, honestly, I, you know, I, I kind of downplayed it in the beginning, but as you go through the story, mm-hmm. I'm just remembering how much I really enjoyed, like, some of the storytelling. <laughs> it reminded me of Great Expectations, at least that aspect of it. Like, you have the, the mysterious uh, benefactor who's getting you to this next level of society. So right, that right. mixed with the moonshine, and I was like, you know, some of this could be a movie. But I, I feel like you, you I, f- I feel like you do this all the time, Sean. Like, every time you start off like, nah, I wasn't feeling it. Then eventually it's like, actually, I think... I did enjoy this more than I thought I did. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely not the first time <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so then, um, all right, he went to Howard Electrical Engineering degree um, and then slowly started just transitioning to, you know, more of the business side of things. Also, can't uh, dismiss, he also did serve time in the Army, right? So he was, like, checking off a lot of boxes, serving, <laughs> serving the country, getting his education, getting his master's, getting, you know, a nice career and a job and, and really just setting himself up for what would be what we would assume is a pretty comfy middle class American lifestyle, even at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, while at IBM, he definitely it was a very comfortable and promising, you know, outlook looking for him. Uh, but, you know, as with a lot of people who uh, have multiple interests and spirits. He definitely was had an itch for business and wealth management as a whole, right? Um, and then from there, started really, I guess, how could we say, Sean, dealing with 
the fork in the road dilemma on like which way should he go and pursue uh which way should he you know direct his career and future yeah yeah, I mean, in my notes here, I kind of have it that rejection caused him to get his MBA. Like, mm-hmm. that that's what pushed him in that direction. And, I mean, was you want to speak more to that rejection? I mean, no, nah, no. Nah, I just I just think it was an interesting because the, just the story overall, he's talking about how he got lucky. He's been set up for this, been set up for that, learned this and that. And now this was kind of the first time where, you know, it's not an L per se, but it, um, you know, it, it definitely it gets a fork in the road. I think that's the best way you put it. So, mm-hmm. right, right, right. And that was that was for a position at the company, right? Yeah, yeah, for right. for a uh, promotion, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, actually, that 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 is a good insight. You know, up until then, I'm not going to say everything was a cakewalk, but it wasn't like he had a ton of L's, right? And even this L that we, you know, wasn't truly an L. It was just like, nah, you, we're going in a different direction. And I think for him, it was like, all right, well what can I do to ensure that that doesn't really happen again, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we also got to speak to during that time uh, in his life or throughout his journey for the most part, you know, he had his girlfriend and who ultimately became, you know, his wife and, and partner. Uh, she was with him throughout his journey as well through these companies that he was working at, um, IBM uh, and, and his educational journey and then the constant traveling and, and relocating right uh throughout his career so he's sure yeah he definitely credits her for um like holding the household down while he was like you know studying for and doing getting his mba and stuff and Mm -hmm. um yeah how she was just like a real um support system there so there's there's that's the part that kind of gets me in the book well there's a lot of parts that gets that gets me in this book and i think the part the way he describes his relationship with his wife you know, it's 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 very, I guess the best way I could say is sitcom-ish, right? Like, I guess in the day, in today's era, we're so used to hearing about so much scandal and drama and fighting and, and things behind the scenes with relationships and so forth. And reading this book, you know, even the stuff that they would argue about, I just recall thinking to myself, oh, that's nothing. Right. Like this is light work. This is the biggest issue you had. Right. Uh, Not to be dismissive, like, oh, it isn't really an issue at all. But it did feel very like, oh, this is this is cute. I'm sure they'll get over it. They'll get through. Right. Right. Like this isn't going to destabilize the whole marriage and institution that they're working towards. Is, Is did you get that sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, I definitely agree. It was, um, yeah, you never, that felt like one of the most, I mean, everything felt stable. I'm not saying anything was unstable in his mm-hmm. life, but you know, there was forks in the road, like you said, and he made choices and took career trajectories a little different from where he started, but he like his relationship was pretty much, you know, on the same track, <laughs> just as everything evolved around him. So Right, right. So, you know, that's a, that's a good point you make about the his the stability of stuff. That, I didn't think about that, but I did get that sense throughout the book and throughout his story, you know, because, you know, he went from IBM. He, he's, he's been at some few, a few well-known companies, and then he's gotten his education at uh, well-known institutions and prestigious institutions. And it's not to say they weren't um, struggles and challenges along the way, but a lot of the moves definitely felt like stable, calculated risk type moves. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. It wasn't like, um, man, we're betting the house on this move. It's like, all right, let's see where this takes us. Right, it, right. Yeah. It definitely mm-hmm. didn't feel like the, the stories, you know, especially a lot of these stories that we hear nowadays, they were down to their last luck and then they just finally got a home run and changed the whole their whole fortune in life. His, it feels like, you know, Eddie Brown's tra- trajectory was very steady. 100% and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent about <laughs> something else, but uh-huh. just how you described it, how like that last home run that got that got us through, uh-huh. I feel like these stories and these movies specifically are kind of forcing those narratives now. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm specifically calling out Air. I don't know if you saw it and I don't know if you had plans to uh, do a future episode on Air, but I felt like they kind of forced drama that didn't exist. But Oh, really? We, we, yeah, I don't know if you saw it. Okay, or... no, we'll, we'll, we'll chop it up behind the scenes, see if, that's, right. if that warrants a future episode. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And but I... yeah, but back to your point, though, yes, I do feel like he had a, um, he made calculated decisions and calculated risks, but nothing was like a, you know, this is all or nothing. Which I really appreciate. I kind of feel like that's more my style. You know, I'm, I'm more of a calculated risk type person. I'm not necessarily, I don't want to be down to my last and hope that this last deal goes through or I'm ruined, right? Um, so I kind of, I appreciated that. I do know that probably doesn't make for the most exciting book and the most excited story. Like, oh, this guy made this calculated move and it paid off. And this next calculated move and it paid off. You know, sometimes people do, you know, we like those extremities sometimes in our stories, right? Yeah, as a public, as a people, we yeah, like that yeah, stuff, yeah. but this is a realistic take on, you know, this is a realistic story and I appreciate that. And I appreciate like the overall principle, I think of this whole book, Mm -hmm. like when we get to the, we're talking about the bio, but Mm -hmm. when we discuss the investment strategy side of it, his overall principle was patience in investing. So with someone with that kind of mentality, yeah, it's going to make sense. And it makes sense with the whole narrative though that he's taking calculated risks. So, and I, I will say, yeah. And I will say, I think that comes uh, that also uh, his strategy has a lot to do with his upbringing, you know, like the transition from the bottom bottom, literally, right, to becoming, uh, you know, uh, asset manager worth over $17 billion, right? Um, his company manages a, a ton of money. You don't usually, you won't get to that point making willing and dealing type deals and crazy reckless moves all the time, right? Um, similar to, you know, Warren Buffett, who everybody attributes as like the greatest investor. It's a very similar approach where it's slow and steady and it doesn't necessarily make for the most exciting uh, story to people who need that, but it is a good story on just how patience and sticking to the plan does pay off in the end. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, would, I, I don't want to... Stay too long into uh, his work history before he started his own firm, but I think there's a few areas that uh, kind of stood out to me about his story during his employment days. Uh, one was, you know, being the the only black person in these traditionally white establishments, um, and and in one particular instance, seeing the KKK have a parade outside his office. Uh, one day while he was at work, right? Um, wow, that's wild to me. That's just wild to me. Like, obviously, we know it exists. We know the realities of the world, but uh, 
when he tells that story, even then, this is what kind of made me laugh again. Even at a, even with a story like that, the way he described it, it felt very sitcomish, right? Like very. I'm like, sir, I don't think I would be um, as flippant as you are with telling this story, right? Like to see that happen outside of your building uh, and then to have, you know, the other, I think it was one other black person who actually was one of the reasons why he decided to join the company at the time, come in and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. That has never happened in all my years working at this company. I've never seen that, like coming right down the block, right? yeah yeah <laughs> but he was very nonchalant he was very nonchalant i'm like sir like this is an area where i think you can afford to not be so nonchalant about this right um and then other instances where it wasn't really anything bad it, i think for me it just really gave more insight into that corporate world you know it's not just about if you're qualified it also is about your personality, how you mesh with other people. You know, he talks a lot about, you know, outside of just do I want the job or is it a good job? And if they're compensate, compensating me well, it's also about, you know, do we like this neighborhood? Do we like the people that we're having dinner with? I'm going to have to be working with those people, right? And taking all of that into account, which I don't think is um, a lot of people may be tuned into that frequency when thinking about their career or, or their path, right? So those are little things that I picked up on throughout the book while he was uh, working at these companies. Um, what did you think during that same time period, but not related specifically to um, one of the companies he was working for, mm-hmm. what did you think of um, him and his, um, I don't want to say fixation, but he was uh, dedicated on helping his daughter with her speech problem. Um, that was just like a little mini story he told. And mm-hmm. I thought, it stood out to me for some reason because, um, yeah, it just stood out to me. I don't know what you thought of it, actually. So. It Actually, it didn't resonate that well to me. I think the way, what I got from him and majority of his stories is that he has a general positive outlook on things. And whatever may come across as a problem or what most people would consider a problem, he would just try to figure out how to go about fixing it and solving it in, a, in his manner. His manner was very you know, very calming and very soothing. It's like, we'll get through it. And by the grace of this, we were able to do this. And by the grace of that. So by the time he was talking about that story with his daughter, and honestly, it just felt like more of another problem that he just calmly passed by, right? We calmly helped to uh, fix, quote unquote, fix and, and so forth or resolve. Yeah. Okay, so, sure. Because, yeah, he- I didn't think of it. Okay, reading it first, uh-huh. I'm like, wow, we kind of brushed past that uh-huh. kind of fast. It was almost another footnote, right. like the KKK thing. Right. And I'm like, wow, you would think, like, if you're watching the movie Creed, that's a whole sub-story, right? right. So you, I'm thinking, wow, I wonder why, I mean, different Creed was, it was her ear, not, <laughs> not, not uh, speech, but you get my drift. Um, I get your drift, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I wonder why he didn't focus more time on, on discussing that story and that struggle and overcoming that. And now that you put it in perspective, it is kind of just his mentality with everything. It's like, there's a problem, I found a solution, and I moved on. So right, he right. told the story that way. Right. Right, and that's how he told that story. So yeah, that was it. Didn't really. It just felt like more of more of the same for Mister Eddie Brown, just solving more problems as calmly as he does. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. So uh, so let's just transition a little bit. I know we're a little pressed for time. Um, into the you know starting his own business, right? 
so what I think was interesting about his businesses is that um, it survived through the dot-com bust, um, 9-11, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, through those eras, yeah. he's been an entrepreneur. Right. I love that. Right, right. It, that that That's a testament to his business and his principles and, you know, his strategy for investing, right? Like, a lot of companies would not have, have not <laughs> been able to survive those three major financial uh, incidents in history, right? And he was able to. But also, uh, the way he... Even the way he started his own business was pretty much uh, in line with his calculated risk strategy, right? Like when he left, um, he didn't just say, I'm out tomorrow, you know, you know, kiss my ass. <laughs> he, he had his savings. He had his savings in order. He knew how much runway he had uh, with his capital uh, before he would, you know, have to run out of money for his business. Um, he speaks to how he kept uh, his costs low by, you know, starting the business in his house, right? He didn't go in, <clears throat> excuse me, rent expensive office space to impress folks and, and things like that. He also talked about how he managed his health insurance for him and his wife and family during that time. And, you know, it was very, again, very calculated, very like, hey, we have a few layers of protection so that we're not just out here. Uh, looking crazy, especially after all that he has accomplished, I could see why you wouldn't want to just throw that down the drain, right? Definitely not. Yeah, you want to build from where you are. Right, right. That, that, great, great. Oh, great phrase. Build from where you are. And that's what he did. And it was very, you know, uh, at least for my sensibilities and how I like to move, makes sense, right? Like, you don't, a lot of times, especially early on, business entrepreneurs think that if they're not looking the part then they're not really doing business right if i don't if i don't have a laptop and i'm not at a certain place where all these other entrepreneurs are working at and doing stuff am i am i really in the game right and for him he's like i'm in the game i'm just in the game from home and i'm gonna get my clients and do what i do and and build from there i know a lot of times we talk about bootstrapping business more on the tech side of things when people are trying to start their online business or or tech startup or whatever but it applies to all aspects all industries of business as we see here and especially i think it's interesting when you think finance you don't usually think that right like finance and investments it's more presented as glorious and luxurious unless you're like doing like boiler room investing in penny stocks and stuff like that right yeah, but usually it's from a place of like you know elevated like lifestyle and luxury, and you wearing a suit and you going into these business deals. Right. And he is he was still going into those deals and those meetings, but right, right, he didn't right. need to do the peripheral stuff. Right, right, right. Indeed, indeed. All right. So, uh, you want to want to get into uh his strategies? You mentioned like his investment strategies prior. Well, um, I just think he was he did long term plays, so mm-hmm. it was um yeah, it wasn't any. Oh, I, I struck gold on this particular um, investment. Yeah. It just he just really advocated for long term plays. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's funny when you think about that. Uh, long, investing for long term plays and strategies, especially when we're in a world, I think now where a lot of companies don't even have the luxury of thinking super long term. 
right? Uh, a lot of companies. Is it a luxury though? Like I think, like a- I think it is. I think it is. Okay. Tell me, tell me, tell me your uh, thoughts. I just feel like you. I mean, well, I guess what we do, we could uh, uh, split hairs on what we just talk. This is what we consider long term, but right, you gotta think like five, seven years down the road, right? Like I, I don't think, I don't disagree and say you shouldn't think five, seven years down the road, but I will say. I don't think that's the world we're in. And I don't think a lot of companies have the luxury of thinking five, seven years down the road. In order to be in that position to think five, seven years down the road, depending on your business, there's a few things that will have to be in order. One would have to be, you know, your cash, your cash flow, your operating expenses, all of that stuff would kind of have to be accounted for. Um, and you would also have to take into all potential risks during that time, right? Uh, which Eddie Brown was doing from an investment perspective, but I don't think a lot of business uh, have that luxury. When you think about, uh, look at wh- how business is even promoted nowadays, you know, move fast and break stuff. Like that's a legit term that so many people adopt for their business move fast and break stuff but you move fast yeah. and break stuff how are you going to really be able to truly plan five to seven years from now right that's definitely the silicon valley model <laughs> right and then also you think about a lot of times companies you know they are uh beholden to this shareholders and and in that, in that case you're really moving on a quarter to quarter basis then because when you report earnings and you report, you know, your financials to the company, you got to hope that you beat the estimates for that quarter, right? Um, in order for the shareholders to be satisfied and management and the board and so you don't get kicked out. I'm not saying there's companies who don't do that nowadays. There are still a lot of companies that do that at do long-term planning five to seven years. I'm just saying a lot of companies don't have the luxury of being able to do that because they have to deliver results now so right right that makes sense yeah (laughs) yeah so and he even was under the gun at a certain point it was what one of the crashes was it one of the crash in the 80s i think he was he mentioned where you know stocks was tumbling falling his phone was ringing off the hook and all of his clients was like listen get me out now sell 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 so it's not like he never came under fire or had the same pressure of delivering right then and there but because he was so strong in his conviction to his long-term strategy it did pay off in the end with that being said now sean do you have a five to seven year strategy for your business i mean i do but oh, okay. um but i don't have any shareholders to adhere um, <laughs> to so you know uh fair enough fair enough that's fair that's that's totally fair um so i did want to speak to you know the philanthropy effort and the charitable giving and stuff like that um you know, one thing about Eddie Brown, one, as we've already saw from his life story, um, he definitely benefited from people paying it forward and being charitable and, and giving back, right, in some way. So whether it was, um, you know, in college, the, the lady who paid his tuition, who he never got to meet, to even, you know, his job and, and, and career and getting certain breaks and certain opportunities because people said, hey, you know, we're going to try things a little different and, and here's an opportunity. So he's always been big on like giving back uh, and had, you know, he's been very 
um, instrumental in donating millions of dollars uh, over the years to programs for education and arts uh, uh, for all people, but especially African-American communities, for sure. Um, he has multiple funds, um, Baltimore Museum of Arts, libraries in Baltimore, scholar programs. Like, he's very entrenched in the, in the uh, philanthropy community, which um, for me, it's, it's very noteworthy and commendable, but I also think it just speaks more to him having that sense of, you know, I made it, let me give back instead of a, a approach of I'm self-made and I did all of this on my own. What I liked about it was that he um, had a conscious approach of let me be proactive in this. Let me not just write a check. And right. Let it do what it does. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure I'm, you know, involved in my philanthropy. So I like that about it. Right. For sure. That's that, that as well. So, yeah. So, um, overall, you know, just a very well rounded life and career, <laughs> and, uh, career and business, uh, journey, uh, that's very, uh, you know, definitely appreciated the story and, and even his uh, strategies, uh, uh, his investing in just strategies on career and education as well. Yeah. And you know what? We didn't really talk too much about. We could kind of yeah, uh, get your opinion on his um, his media financial celebrity status. Like he had a whole chapter like, aren't you that guy from TV? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He had a little fame in the game <laughs> from the financial side. Of things, you know, he he was a, a a panelist on a on a weekly financial show on PBS in his in his town, and you know, people would start recognizing him because um, I think he was he was the only black guy on the show, right? So uh, right, he was the only <laughs> black guy on TV talking money. So yeah, he stood yeah, out. talking gang, baby. So uh, you know, people was definitely uh, recognizing him on the street, and he you know he, he getting a little fame out here, you know, which is always funny. I think um. It's always interesting to see people who have fame in a s specific industry that's not music or entertainment related. Um, it's just always interesting because we're so used, we usually associate the fame with just entertainment and music. So then when you see a person getting run down by other, you know, folks for something that you have no idea what's happening, it's always like a, a odd scene, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like your favorite you know, cinematographer or whatever. Right, right, yeah, right. No one else has heard of. That's, yeah. the, that's my favorite key grip. I see all his movies or something like that. Right, right, right. Uh, no, definitely um, a good point there. I, I did want to speak to his education, no choices, right? Um, but you, by that, you mean like which degrees he chose which and degrees to get and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, it just... Everything felt complimentary. Uh, Not essential, right? No, no, no. Complimentary. Like, each degree complemented each other. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you... Okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. I thought you were going... I thought we were going was that he didn't... He could have still done everything he did mm. without some of those degrees. But I see what you're saying. I mean, he, he possibly could. Listen, I'm a Listen, let, I'm going off on a quick tangent. There's no doubt that you know, when you look at his character and see how he approached life and how he approached the game and the career, for me, there's no doubt that he could have done all of this uh, without degrees if he really wanted to. That That's fine. Um, I'm also, I'm not of the college is a scam 
perspective though i i think it depends right i'm very big on it depends on what you're trying to do and what choice what direction you want to go and then seeing if college is appropriate for you um so for me seeing him get that education it was it was fine i don't you know i, I wasn't like oh man you're wasting your time but what i will say is that i do think the degrees that he got complemented each other for where it placed him later on in life like the industrial yeah. the industrial degree then he got his master's and i think there was another degree i think he got there two. was a phd in there mentioned i don't yeah yeah they mentioned the phd because at one point he was um the company was gonna pay for it right right yeah right so i believe there was two masters as well as a, um as his bachelor's but each you know, even from just the bachelor's and the business degree, those two, are, I think, are very complementary. You know, you, you're an engineer and finance and business like that. It, it complements each other. So um, even then, maybe he didn't realize it or maybe he did. It, it kind of feels like a sub subconscious move. That's part of his overall personality of just be taking calculated risks. All right. So with all that being said, Sean, do you still think it's an okay book or have you changed your opinion on it? You know, like, all right, I'm going to increase my <laughs> opinion a little bit. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot more than I let on in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it more than I let on in the beginning. I think it would make a great movie, honestly. Like, Oh, really? I, I, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, we would, I would play up the, you know, the, the early life would be the majority, a lot of it. Wow. Like the, the moon, the, the, the specific scene where he's talking to his uncle in the driveway and then the cops just pull up out of nowhere. Right, I'm right. Like, that's a movie scene. Oh, but, wow, wow. Look at that. We done went from, I wasn't really feeling it, to this could be a movie. Oh, man. Th it could. It that's could, crazy. But, and, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great, it was a good book, though. It was definitely um, solid. I enjoyed it. And I think um, the only thing that I would have wanted more was a little bit of, um, a little bit of more specific money talk, a little bit more, like, specific right. investment strategies. But I understand as a, in his position, while he has to kind of keep it vague. Right, so. right, right. Okay, that's a good point. Well, when they do the movie, we will watch the movie and review the movie and compare if they it to do the movie. <laughs> right. Sean gonna, Sean's gonna get a greenlit now uh, because he is a fan. All of a sudden, uh, nah. Um, I enjoyed the book. I did enjoy the book. I thought it was an easy read. I think if if you are going to read this book, I think you should manage manage your expectations on what you'll get out of it. Uh, if you're looking for like a checklist of do one, two, three, and four, and you'll have a successful business. This really is not the book then. You know, we've, we've reviewed other books that get real specific about what you need to do for your business and certain things like that. This isn't really it. This is more of a, it's a business book, but it's also like just a general overview of, hey, here's my path, here's my journey, here's what I, what I do, here's what I did to get here, uh, and I made money doing this off certain principles and philosophies but i'm not really going to give you investment advice you know a little nuggets here and there that really you can find anywhere but nothing super specific like make sure the stock has this uh you know rate um uh, eps ratio and stuff like that right mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah and i i think it was an easy read to me it was an easy read so uh easy nice just a little it's good to hear, at least for me, it was good to read this story in the sense of like, not every story has to be a super struggle. Right. That's why I like the most. That right. it wasn't a 
granted, like he came from poverty, came from Jim Crow, it yeah. happened, yeah. but that's not the that's not the whole thing. That's not the whole thing. And you know, and so I appreciate that. I mean, and granted, struggle is a real aspect of life and a lot of people's lives and a lot of successful people's lives. So it's not to dismiss that, but it was good to kind of read a book uh, about um, successful business person where it wasn't like struggle, 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 and finally pay off. So I did enjoy that part. Yeah, same here. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So I guess we are wrapped up giving our two cents on this book yeah yeah i mean i guess last question before we go who should we cast as star oh man we're gonna have to come movie. back to that you don't i didn't know i came to do a book review i didn't know i was doing casting calls now but right, uh, i have time. to I, if i'm gonna come across i'm gonna send you some uh some considerations next go round. all right oh good. you got you got any suggestions <laughs> uh, I don't know, Michael B. Jordan. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just we gotta see. see. You're just pulling all the leading black men in Hollywood right now. It sounds like <laughs> from the list. I gotta see who could pull off business strategist and moonshine uh, getaway driver. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> all right, get back to us on that, y'all. Get back to us on that. All right, so that's a wrap for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our review and thoughts on this book. Hopefully, it provided you with some value and inspiration as you navigate through your business journey and life. As always, if you have a question you would like to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.